Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Amandaman Game Podcast. This is episode 5 of my weekly gaming podcast where we discuss all things video games related. To support the show, please subscribe, comment, and rate this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. You can email me any questions at amandamangames at gmail.com. That's amandamangames at gmail.com. All the various social media links will also be in the description. We're going to jump right into the news. We have some hot items coming straight from the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer himself. This is from the Xbox website. So the main takeaways, I'm obviously not, I, I didn't copy every little thing. But the main takeaways from this article was that the new console, Xbox Series X, will have 12 teraflops of GPU power. It will have variable rate shading. It will also have hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing, quick resume for multiple games, and smart delivery. So we already kind of talked about the teraflop stuff in the in the last podcast with Sebi, but I'm gonna move on to variable rate shading. So this is straight from the website. Our patented form of Variable ray shading empowers developers to more efficiently utilize the full power of the Xbox Series X. Rather than spending GPU cycles uniformly to every single pixel on the screen, they can prioritize individual effects on specific game characters or important environmental objects. So this ga- I think this gives developers a lot more room to use the GPU and they don't need to fully utilize the entire power just to or entire set of GPU teraflop pixel count, whatever it may be, I don't even know what it's called, on, on one specific scene or one specific area in the game. So essentially, it's just saying that it will be more efficient. They can be more efficient when they're using the GPU. I think this will also help reduce the overall heat of the console. I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of also what I'm getting from this. Um, I think that's been an issue when it comes to Xbox consoles in the past, uh, more specifically Xbox 360. I know I've had a couple of red ring of, of deaths uh, for, for that console. So this this should be good overall, and it's it's a cool it's a cool technology in general. Uh, the next thing I wanted to focus on was smart delivery. So smart delivery this is this is this technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you are playing it on Xbox One or Xbox Series X, you are getting the right version of that game on whatever Xbox you're playing on. We're making the commitment to use smart delivery on our on all of our exclusive Xbox Game Studios titles including Halo Infinite, ensuring you only have to purchase a title once in order to play the best available version for whichever Xbox console they choose to play on. Uh, I, I'm just going to quickly continue and, and just talk about the tweet just ca- that came from the Cyberpunk 2077 account. So this is from their Twitter. Gamers should never be forced to purchase the same game twice or pay for upgrades. Owners for Cyberpunk 2077 for Xbox One will receive the Xbox One Xbox Series X upgrade for free when available. So this is great news for anyone that wants to jump into these games, especially games that are coming, I think, a couple of months before the new generation of consoles launch. Uh, you, you know that all, so this way you'll know all of your all of your games will kind of transfer over, not only through backwards compatibility, but also you'll also get the more updated version or, or whatever the version that, that will be available on the new consoles. I think something like this already kind of exists. I know on PS4, I don't know if, if it's for other games, but I know for the game Journey, if you buy that game on PS3 or if you got buy that game on PS4, you can access it on PS3 as well and, and vice versa for, for PS4. And I believe you get like the, the upgraded version on PS4. Um, I will definitely check for, for next time, but I think, I think that's kind of what happened. So this does kind of exist with a number of games. They just kind of put a marketing term or, or like a PR term for it. So it is 
it does sound cool when they say it, you know, like Xbox Series X, big feature, smart delivery. And overall, I think this is this is just great news because it allows for a lot of customers or a lot of gamers to be able to jump into a game now and know that all the stuff will transfer over and they're not going to get a lower res version of it instead. So this is overall great news for Xbox fans and also just people looking forward to next gen, including myself. So the next news article comes from IGN. Uh, this is from Matt Kim. Witcher 3 Switch developer acquired in deal worth up to half a billion dollars. The Embracer Group, formerly known as THU Nordic AB, has acquired World War Z and The Witcher 3 Switch developer Saber Interactive for a deal potentially worth over half a billion dollars. Saber has been on our radar for a very long time because of their deep history of consistently high-quality work, said Embracer Group CEO Lars Wingford. I love that name. Saber is best known as a support studio, but also for high-quality ports, including the impressive Witcher 3 port for the Nintendo Switch. Saber also branched into original projects and self-publishing, uh, including, devel- uh, including developing World War Z in 2019. So I have played World War Z and it was a really great game. It definitely made me miss Left 4 Dead quite a bit. I really hope Valve at some point please make a new Left 4 Dead game. But I'm not sure why they paid so much for for Saber, Saber Interactive. Of course, I don't know what overall what goes into the valuation of a company, mainly because Insomniac Games, the developers that made games like Ratchet and Clank, and also the the Spider Man game that came out in 20, 2018, which I believe is the the highest selling game or the best selling PlayStation exclusive of all time. I think they were bought by Sony for around like two hundred thirty, two twenty something million dollars. So I'm surprised that a game like Saber Interactive that have obviously done a lot of good work, uh, but more recently their more well known work is of course World War Z and also the Switch per Switch port of Witcher Three. Uh, you know they've been bought for five hundred million dollars or or whatever the overall overall price was. Um, it's possible because of World War Z and how it has the potential of making money over time. So it is. I think it is still getting them a lot of revenue because I know like stuff like Insomniac Games or developers that focus on purely single player games. Once they, the the game is out, once maybe a couple of DLC or expansions are out for any specific story story things. Uh, you know, that's kind of all you, you get out of it unless you put some microtransactions, which of course can get invasive at some time. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure how all, like how the cost was calculated, but this is great for Saber Interactive. I'm sure having something, someone like THQ uh, and, and, and just the money and, and the marketing and everything that they bring, bring to the table, I, I see good things for Saber Interactive in the future. So best of luck to Saber Interactive and I'll, I'll be looking to, looking forward to seeing what they do next. The, the next article, I think this is something that's been, happening with a lot of companies, especially with, with the whole coronavirus outbreak. Uh, I've only put a couple of these of these articles in here, especially for a, a couple of companies. I know more companies have also uh, backed out. Obviously, let me let me go into the let me go into the article first. So Sony won't attend PAX East either due to coronavirus concerns. This is coming from Matt Kim at IGN. Sony has announced that it is canceling its participation in the PAX East due to concerns over COVID-19 or the novel coronavirus. The company announced the news as an update to its PlayStation blog post detailing its PAX East plans. Today, Sony Interactive Entertainment made the decision to cancel its participation at PAX in Boston this year due to increasing concerns related to COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, So Sony wrote in an update to its February 13th blog post. I'm just going to continue and, and read uh, another article from GameIndustry.biz this time from Hayden Taylor. EA pulls out of GDC over coronavirus fears. 
having closely followed the global situation with coronavirus and with the recent escalation of cases in new regions, we have decided to take additional steps to protect the well-being of our employees, including the restriction of all non-essential travel, said the publisher. As a result, we are also cancelling our official participation at GDC and limiting attendance to other events. We are continuing to monitor the situation and will adjust guidelines to our employees as we feel appropriate. Now, I understand this from the company from the, from the company perspective. They obviously don't want to keep their employees safe, uh, especially when they are traveling. I, uh, airports in general are is, is known to be the hub of getting sick, basically. You know, a lot of people are traveling, going, going out. People might have the flu, people might have cold, you know, and it, I do understand that this is a big concern for them. At the same time, I'm not too sure what they will be bringing to these uh, conventions in general. I know that Sony and, and Naughty Dog specifically were bringing, were bringing The Last of Us Part 2 to the, to the PAX East conference that they're going to be letting fans play uh, Last of Us Part 2. But at the same time, Last of Us Part 2 will be coming out soon. It's only a couple of months away. So I don't think that should be a big concern at the same time with EA as well pulling out of GDC. I'm not sure what they will be bringing, especially because we don't really know what's going to be coming from them at the at the end of the year. They could probably bring something with Apex Legends. I, I'm not sure. Uh, and we'll obviously discuss more about EA later on at, in the show. So hopefully, I think Sony and EA and all the other companies that have also backed out, hopefully they kind of make up for this and maybe attend some other convention. I know that Right now, because of the spread of coronavirus and everything that's happening, uh, the tensions are a little high. So hopefully as time progresses, as the tensions kind of lower, things become a bit okay, uh, they can kind of they can ha- have another convention or they can be, even have a, a solo convention of their own where they let fans come, like how Sony used to do in the past with, I think it was the PlayStation experience. So hopefully these companies make it up for their fans in some way, but at the same time, it's, I don't think it's a big concern that they're not going to be attending these conferences because I don't think they're bringing anything huge to the table either way. So the, the next article, this is something that I just pulled up mainly because I'm pretty excited for this game. So I don't know if anyone else out there will also be excited, but either way, I wanted to put this in there. Uh, Samurai Jack video game announced for PC, PS4, Xbox, and Switch. So this is from Matt Kim from IGN. I feel like, is, is, he, is he just the head of IGN? I feel like he's writing all the all the articles. Sorry, I'll, I'll continue. Samurai Jack Battle Through Time is set before Jack's final fight with Aku, an evil entity that trapped Jack in alternate timelines throughout human history. Jack will have to fight through several, several different timelines in order to reach Aku and defeat him. The script for the Samurai Jack game is written by series head writer Derek, Bra- Derek Backman. The gameplay will combine hack and slash gameplay and allow players to wield a variety of different melee and ranged weapons. I just want to put this in there because I grew up watching Samurai Jack and I really like Samurai Jack. I was always surprised that we never got a game. We might have gotten a game, but I just like never, it just never came up in the news. And this was the first game that actually popped up on, on the radar on, on, on Reddit, on IGN. So I thought that I, I wanted to bring this up. This looks, this looks cool. This sounded, sounds interesting. A lot of these kinds of games, when they do make a hack and slash game based off of uh, an anime, or, or just a TV show or anything like that in general, they don't really turn out that well, unfortunately. But I'm, 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 I ha- I'm trying to be optis- optimistic about this. Hopefully they do a good job. I'll be so excited to be able to play a Samurai Jack game. So I just wanted to kind of put this in there. Just I think, as you know, I, I like putting stuff like this in there just because of my own interest in certain things. So let's, let's see what happens at the end of this year. So the next article, this one comes from Samuel Tolbert from Windows Central. 
Bethesda Softworks games being pulled from GeForce now, except Wolfenstein Youngblood. I wonder why Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, while the while the NVIDIA GeForce Now streaming service is seeing quite a bit of attention shortly after coming out of beta testing, more and more publishers are pulling their games. Today, NVIDIA confirmed on its forums that Bethesda Softworks is pulling most of its games from GeForce Now. The lone exception is Wolfenstein Youngblood, which will remain for the time being. Bethesda Softworks isn't the first publisher to pull out, however, as Activision Blizzard recently pulled out pulled all of its games, including Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the best-selling game of 2019 in the U.S. So this doesn't this doesn't bode well for GeForce now because I know they came out they came out of the gate ready to battle Stadia. They had a number of games on their service mainly because you can buy these games on Steam and they will be available on GeForce now, which is kind of what Stadia should be doing. But of course, that's that's a a discussion for another time. I'm I'm trying to understand why these companies are backing out. Is it because they are working with another partner to to release these games on on the streaming service? Maybe they're working with Google in some sense. Obviously, the the fact that they left Wolfenstein Youngblood also says a lot. Mainly because I believe that game did not do well. Uh, when I, when I mean it did not do well, it I mean it basically did worse than Fallout seventy six. Fallout seventy six still sold quite a bit, but Wolfenstein Youngblood was just not. It was it was an okay game, but I think it was just not pulling in the right people, the the, the crowd that really liked the Wolfenstein games. So I'm, I obviously can't pinpoint why they w- they would be doing this, other than maybe they're going to be in an exclusive agreement with another another company. Maybe they might have some deal on the back end happening with Google or some something else. Uh, we'll obviously find out over time, but this is definitely a blow to GeForce uh, GeForce Now and, and Nvidia because this was kind of the perfect platform for most people because they were allowing you to buy your games on steam keep it on steam keep it on epic game store whatever it may be and you know you could stream these games at the same time and also own these games physically so you can actually download them on your on your pcs so this is definitely a big blow hopefully we'll have some word from nvidia as to why this is happening and maybe they can resolve this issue maybe they can come to an agreement with these companies i doubt that these companies will be losing money from this because because Activision Blizzard games or even Bethesda games, you need to technically still own them. You need to still buy these games on Steam full price, and then Nvidia allows you to allows you to stream them. It's not like you just pay the Nvidia amount or whatever, and then you can just stream these games. I, I think there might be a pool of games that you can stream from GeForce Now like that, kind of similar to what Stadia is doing with Stadia Pro and 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 whatever. So yeah, hopefully hopefully they get back to Nvidia and just the fans in general as to why. Why this is happening? Uh, the next thing I oh, actually just I just wanted to bring this up. This is coming straight from the Twitter account from Resident Evil, uh, basically saying that the Resident Evil Three demo will be coming out coming out soon. Now, Resident Evil Two, the remake, was one of my favorite games last year. I was never a big Resident Evil fan just because I never really got into those old school tank controls. I remember playing Resident Evil Four, and I, I thought that was interesting. I just never really got into it. I know. A lot of people will chew my head off for saying that. I know it's like a very big game and very important game for a lot of people. And even Resident Evil 5, I remember playing that with a, a, a couple of friends from, from high school. And I kind of really liked that just because you could play that game split screen. But again, it was just a game that I never got into. Same thing with Resident Evil 6. I just never saw the appeal. Resident Evil 7 was the one that got me back in mainly because of that horror aspect. Because I always thought that Resident Evil games were scary. But... Resident, Resident Evil 4 onwards, from what I saw, never never really looked that scary. So Resident Evil 7 definitely brought me back in. And then Resident Evil 2 Remake was coming out, and that looked, that looked really, really scary. And I was like, wow, this is kind of the game that I wanted. You know, third-person action, but it's a horror game. 
You have something, someone like Mr. X chasing you around, which is just awesome. So Resident Evil 3 is coming out this year. They're releasing it pretty pretty close to one another, one another, which is great. I think this probably means that the engine was done and they were probably working on this on the side whilst Resident Evil 2 was being made. So it's great that they're going to release a demo soon. I'm pretty excited for April when this game also comes out. And I'll probably, I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll stream this game as well, just because I really, I, I'm finally reaching a point of understanding why people like Resident Evil. And I can see why it tapered off over time with Resident Evil 4 being the height of, of, of the game when everyone really, really liked it. And Resident Evil 5 and, and, and 6 kind of, kind of going down and people not really enjoying it as much. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Hopefully the game comes out and, and people really like it. I know there's a multiplayer component to that game, which I, I definitely want to try out. And I, I do hope that they, they didn't put too much effort or not even effort, but too much too many resources on the multiplayer aspect. I, I do hope that the single player kind of takes over and is, is almost equivalent to the Resident Evil 2 remake uh, campaign that we played last year. So this next article, this actually just came out in the morning, so I just kind of put it up uh, as soon as it came out. Um, Square Enix won't release next-gen exclusives for some time. This is coming from Joe Scrabble from IGN. The company which develops Final Fantasy and will publish Marvel's Avengers made the announcement in an investor Q- Q&A. President Yosuke Matsuda said, The next generation consoles will have backwards compatibility, so we plan for the time being to make our new titles available for both current and next generation consoles. It will therefore be somewhat farther down the road that we will release titles exclusively for the next generation consoles. So, I mean, it's not all bad in terms of what they are doing. They are obviously widening the pool of people that can play their games. This is, at the end of the day, like I was kind of talking about Xbox, consumer-friendly. You know, this is very consumer-friendly of them. They're making sure that, hey, even if you can't afford the new generation of console, you will still be able to play our games. I do hope that they add some update or something to the new generation uh, versions of those games just to kind of, you know, up it, maybe give it 4K, 60 FPS, uh, if that's possible. You know, it'll be really interesting if they can do that. I would be... I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dwell too much into whether this will be bad for their games because they won't be fully taking advantage of the new generation of consoles. You know, so if if the game is being made with the old consoles in mind, they obviously have to take into consideration the CPU and the GPU of those consoles. So they obviously won't be able to take take all the power that's been given to them with the next generation. But you know, like at the end of the day, this is this is good for consumers. And like it does say that we'll hopefully we'll probably get more exclusive titles for the next generation uh, later on. And I think this is kind of going back to Microsoft and how consumer friendly they've been. So I wonder if this is something that other developers, including uh, developers like EA, Ubisoft, Activision, if they're also uh, thinking about usually their games, from what I remember, usually their games either way for a couple of years do come out on both consoles. So I'm not sure why this, like when, when I'm, more, the more I think about it, I'm not sure why this, this statement was made, I should say, I, I should say, sorry. Um, I'm not too sure because uh, all the FIFA games that will come out this year will come out on the next generation and that'll happen for next generation as well. Usually it's like a couple of years before those FIFA games. I will use EA and those FIFA games as a, as a, as a baseline almost, even, even the Activision games when it comes to Call of Duty. So once, you know, after a couple of years, all those Call of Duty games will only come with the next generation. So yeah, like the more I think about it, yeah, I, I don't think this was necessarily needed uh, for them to actually make a, make a statement about. But I guess, yeah, this is mainly for their, for their investors and it, it, IGN kind of picked it up. So yeah, I mean, it should be, it should be fine. I don't think we'll be seeing any, any big Square Enix games for a while either way, considering Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming out this year. 
and I'm pretty sure most of the resources are going going on that game. So uh, let's see what happens. So we're going to move on to the next topic or next thing that we do in this podcast. I'm not even sure. Next category? I don't know. But basically, we're going to be talking about games that I have been playing. So I cannot discuss this before as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bring it up really quickly. I promise I won't bring it up anymore after this. I've been, of, of course, playing Sekiro. Really love that game. Making lots of good progress. Uh, check me out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash amandaman uh, to see me play some some Sekiro as well. Probably, I'm going to try to finish that game in the next week or so. I am kind of making good progress, but still, as you can imagine, it's a hard game. It takes time. Um, the next thing, of course, I just wanted to go over. I think we talked, we discussed this a little bit before. Uh, is Persona 5. I've been kind of playing that. I just kind of got back into it. I really like that game. I just love the the atmosphere, kind of like kind of like I mentioned before. It's a, it's a really fun game. It does take a while. It, it took me a little. It actually took me a little while to get back in. I initially, when I kind of jumped in, uh, I was fine. I was kind of I was kind of able to get my way get my way along the along the dungeon that I was making my way through. But over time, I kind of realized all the other stuff that you need to do when it comes to making sure your SP, which is kind of like their mana, is all at full as well. Making sure their HP is full. I mean, of course, this is something that's like, uh, you know, I should be paying attention to either way. But for some reason, I completely forgot that I could, you know, put these items in there. I can like change my weapon, change my gear, stuff like that. So it took me a little while to kind of get back into that. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying Persona 5. Uh, the two main games that I really wanted to talk about today were Dreams and Wolfson. So Dreams, I kind of gave the art, it's called Art Stream, which is basically Media Molecules campaign of the of the game Dreams. So I started playing that and it's very obvious that th- this is kind of their way of, sh- of, of giving a tutorial for the game. So basically letting you know that these are the types of things that you can do with Dreams. So I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's okay. It's not like, I haven't finished it. So obviously I'm not going to make, give it like my full judgment or anything like that. But it's it's like it's okay. It's interesting. I I understand that a lot of people who enjoy creating will definitely love this game. Will definitely get into this game and and fully utilize it. But for someone like myself who just wants to play games and just wants to dream surf, like they call it in that game, yeah, like the the art stream stuff was interesting. I want to see where what all what other stuff they can do, uh, they can do with that campaign. It is really uh, fascinating. All the stuff that you can do in that game. When when I was kind of playing art stream, there's moments where you're playing like this i don't think i should you know what it's okay it's it's not really a spoiler but there are moments where you're having a conversation and you can choose different things to respond to a person and that response will be made and the person will react differently uh there's adventure game elements where you're picking stuff up you're taking it back to someone you know so they're, they're just kind of showing you all the different things you can do in dreams and that is definitely amazing just to kind of see that you can make so many different kinds of games but yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll wait and see. I definitely think that over time, as more people get their hands on on these tools, on this game in general, and start creating, we'll definitely be seeing a lot more interesting and amazing games over time. So yeah, so the next thing I want to talk about was Wolfson. Uh, and this game was actually gifted to me by Sebi. So thank you so much, Sebi. Uh, this is such an amazing game. I'm, I, I, he was talking about it last week. And as you can tell that he really loved the game. I've played it now. I've played it for over an hour or so, or nearly two hours. And wow, this is, for anyone that's looking forward to Diablo 4, I mean, like, check this game out. This is giving you all of that. The game looks beautiful. It plays really well. The customizability is awesome. The things you can do. It is just very, very reminiscent of, of Diablo. But of course, a new generation ver- a version of, G- of Diablo. So it kind of, it does feel really good. I definitely want to see where it goes. The story is pretty interesting. I haven't, like, of course, I'm only two hours in, so I don't know where this will take us. 
and I plan on playing it uh, keep on playing this game. I'm definitely going to play with Sebi as well to kind of test out the multiplayer aspect of the game. From what I saw online, I think this is around around like 20 hour long the game. So it's not too long of a game. Uh, but I think Sebi was talking about how you can, there's a lot of extra things you can do in that game. So of course, there's a lot of side missions and stuff like that too. So I'm definitely, I'm pretty interested to see this and it's obviously making me more and more excited for, for Diablo. I, I really hope they release something, please, Blizzard. I mean, just release something, man. Just release like Diablo 3.5. Just add an expansion to the old Diablo 3 game. But yeah, Wilson, definitely check it out. It is definitely worth your time. So next section of this podcast, we'll, we'll be moving on to the discussion point. So in this, in the discussion point, obviously I'm going to read off an, of an article, just a, a few things from it, uh, from this article, but I kind of wanted to pose a question. Is the Star Wars video game license in the right hand? So right now we know that it is currently with EA. Uh, I believe it's a 10 year license. I could be more. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but this comes from Kotaku from Jason Schreier, who's a very well known uh, journalist in this industry. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through uh, a few parts of this article because it's a very lengthy article. I mean, if you want to know more about this article, if you, if you want to read more into it, please check it out uh, on on Kotaku. So this is basically saying that uh, the, at least the title of the article is that EA canceled a Star Wars Battlefront uh, spinoff. So last spring, Electronic Ar- Electronic Arts canceled a planned spinoff of its popular Star Wars Battlefront series. The, st- the third Star Wars games that the publisher has asked since 2017. This latest game, codenamed Viking, was originally envisioned for release in fall 2020, alongside the next generation of consoles. But once it became clear to EA executives that the timeline was unrealistic, Viking was no more. This game was, was designed as a spin-off of the Star Wars Battlefront series with open world elements. The plan was also for EA to bring in yet another studio to help out, Criterion, based in London, England, which was previously best known for racing games like Burnout and Need for Speed, but had in recent years expanded to more genres. Basically, there was an issue of too many cooks, in quotations. Uh, this was the running theme. Uh, Criterion Leaves has an, uh, had an ambitious vision for the game, aiming to put a strong focus on story and characters, and it soon became clear that Viking would never be finished in just a year and a half. The one issue I obviously see with this is they gave the developers only one one year, uh, a year and a half to make this game, especially, you know, when you're using a property like Star Wars, I'm sure the developers also understand the pressure uh, when, when it comes to that. It always seems that Electronic Arts is just putting on two developers and not leaving developers alone. You know, they, they give developers a chance to make a game and then it's always an issue of that, okay, we need this game by this specific date. So we're gonna add this developer to your team. We're gonna add this developer to your team. And EA is obviously a very, very big company. They have different studios in different parts of the country. And obviously communication is gonna be a big issue, right? You're gonna, you're, communication in terms of being able to communicate with someone who's in England and maybe the time is like 5 a.m. or something versus someone in California, where the time might be, you know, 1 p.m. I, I, obviously, I don't know the exact time difference, but you get what I'm saying, right? And and that obviously causes an issue for, for things to happen in a timely fashion. At the same time, the too many cooks thing is definitely an issue. You have developers like Criterion who has uh, uh, who has been making a lot of racing games, especially a game like Burnout, which I, I, I love. And we just heard that the Need for Speed franchise is going over to Criterion games as well. You know, and of course, I think other parts of EA that are, have been working on stuff like uh, like the FIFA franchise, Madden, you know, I'm not sure if DICE was involved uh, as well. But, you know, when you have all these all these different developers, different mindsets, different creative mindsets coming together, it will always be an issue, especially because, especially when you look at the games that they have worked in the past. So, 
you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not too sure what EA is trying to do with this. I think EA, honestly, or maybe Disney, because I think Disney needs to reevaluate this. When Disney gave the license to uh, license of Spider-Man, I don't know if the license of Spider-Man, the Spider-Man game is mainly with, Dis- with mainly with Disney or if it's with Sony, because I know technically Sony owns, owns Spider-Man. I'll definitely try to do more research into this. But, you know, like giving different companies like, like Insomniac and giving them a specific IP saying that, hey, why don't you make Spider-Man? I'm not sure why they just gave the entire Star Wars IP to EA and instead should have just done something like, hey, EA, why don't you make a Star Wars game? Uh, you can make an FPS game, Battlefront or whatever, it, or, or whatever it may be. And like, let it, like show it to us. Let's see what it is. Then maybe go to Ubisoft. Hey, Ubisoft, why don't you make a division type game, but in the Star Wars universe? You know, maybe go to Criterion Games specifically, or or maybe even uh, Polyphony Digital, right? The, I think they made uh, Gran Turismo, like a racing game. Be like, hey, why don't you make a pod racing game, right? I would love a pod racing game, but I'm just saying, you know, like, just go to different developers, give them the option to make a specific game in the Star Wars universe. Because kind of like at the beginning of the article, it said that this is the third game since 2017 that has been canceled by Electronic Arts. And I, I mean, if... Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order hasn't shown EA that single-player games, especially single-player games, in the Star Wars universe is in high demand. I'm not sure what will, because I think that game did well. It sold a lot. But of course, I mean, it will never sell the same amount as something like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield. And you don't give them the revenue that they want every single month, every single quarter, uh, the same way that those games do. And I mean, that's obviously going to be an issue, but that 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 comes down to... EA also understanding that it's okay to have a game like Battlefront, which does that, you know, where Battlefront 2 is doing really well, people are buying it, people are invested in that game, and then having single-player games like Jedi Fallen or, or Fallen Order on the side. So I hope that this is just them axing the game, mainly because the game just is not finished or the game was just not looking good, it was just not working. Um, I hope that it's not because, or, or it's not solely because of the fact that they won't reach the deadline, because... Look, if it's not going to reach the deadline, like, I mean, just push it. Like, even if you're not going to get this game out by, by December, why not push it to, like, March next year in 2021? Or even November, December, the year in 2021 itself. You know, so I hope that, that the time constraint wasn't the main reason for them to, to access this game. It, it is interesting that, you know, EA seems to make these very quick judgments when it comes to their games, when it comes to these, these developers. And... I don't know. I think once the 10 years is up, I think it started in 2013, maybe, or 2012. I'm not sure. I definitely need to look into this as well. Um, you know, once this 10 years is up, I hope that Disney definitely re- reevaluates the whole situation. Just don't give the whole Star Wars license to one company. You know, don't just go give the whole thing to one company and let them be in charge of every single thing when it comes to single player games, when it comes to multiplayer stuff. Give it to different different developers, give it to maybe even an indie developer, maybe a, a small developer that could make something small out of it, you know, give it to different, different people, see what they can come up with, you know, even have some sort of, I don't know, I, I don't think it'll work like that, but like a competition almost, you know, like where different companies can also show you that, hey, like this is what we, this is an idea that we came up with, uh, of, with the Star Wars license, like what do you think, you know, I hope that Disney is definitely taking this into account, the fact that the license has been with EA, with Electronic Arts for a while, yet, you know, like, there's nothing too fruitful from it. I don't know if it's making them the money that they thought it was going to be, uh, going to make. I know that Battlefront 
one sold per, uh, pretty uh, pretty well. Battlefront Two is obviously doing quite well too, uh, and Jedi Fallen Order, of course, is doing well as well. I know they have a mobile game too that obviously is making a lot of money through microtransactions, so that that'll probably be going in EA's favor. But you know, like this is just something that, I, as, a, as a big Star Wars fan, it always upsets me just seeing that there's such an awesome game like Jedi Fallen Order that just came out, and you know, we had this possibility of having another you know single player based game come out at the end of this year but you know just because of ea and ea ea's investors and the executives making the decision that you know what nope this is not going to work this is not going to make us money or this is not going to come out in time so we're just going to cancel it it of course upsets me and it always makes me wonder that you know even even with me kind of looking at ubisoft and saying that hey you know they they need to focus on making their games more diverse their games are just kind of meshing you know their games are just looking more and more the same over time from what I've noticed. I think, you know, even Ubisoft would have done a better job almost just looking at like the Division 2 and how much how much fun I'm having with that. Even if it doesn't have an amazing story, if they can just do a great job with the gameplay and just keep adding the way they're adding with Division 2 and stuff like that, that would be a Star Wars game that I, I play all the time. I mean, can you imagine like having a game like that set even with... In the new new generation of, of Star Wars movies, even in that generation, just having a, a game where you know you can play, you can play as Rey, you can play as someone, and you know maybe it's not all about the lightsaber shooting, but lightsaber fighting. Sorry, lightsaber shooting, lightsaber fighting, and all that stuff. But you know, almost in a division standpoint, where you are going to do missions, you're uh, liberating areas, you're liberating control points, and then you know over time we might get an expansion, we might get extra missions, we might get extra episodes, and that could be a game that literally. You can play for years and years and years. So I'm not sure why this doesn't go through EA's mind. Maybe they're already working or something like that. Uh, we already know that, you know, a new Battlefront is going to come out at some point. It's going to be the same thing where, here you go, Star Wars Battlefront. Here's a bunch of maps. It's the same old, you know, Battlefield, Battlefront type look. Here's one or new, one or two new things or two new game modes. But I don't know, like, I feel like, you know, like, I, I also just want something new. It's just the same thing that's just being updated again and again and again. I mean, like that, like I kind of I, I brought up before. Like, can you imagine a pod racing game? I still remember playing the old Star Wars pod racing game and just having such a great time. It was such a fun game. And if Criterion, if a game, if a, if a company like Criterion had a chance to make a pod racing game, how amazing would that be? You know, they can make so many. They can make a whole bounty hunter bounty hunting game with with a company like Dice. You know, rather than making them focus on just FPS. Maybe, maybe Dice or maybe even Bioware. Maybe they, they should give the license or give give something, give a project to Bioware and let them make a, a bounty hunter game or something, you know? So there's so many things that they can do. They have so many amazing developers under the belt, which is why I don't understand why they aren't use, fully utilizing them. It always seems to be about finding a game that just nets them a lot of money over time, that just keeps making them money over time. So, you know, like hopefully, hopefully... EA does the right thing. I think they obviously see the success of of Star Wars. I do hope that they do a better job. And this thing where they seem to try to pull so many different developers in just from everywhere and think that that's going to that's going to help. You know, just because you have like 15 or 20 or 30 brilliant minds all together doesn't mean you're going to be able to produce an amazing thing. It it just doesn't work like that because everyone has a different thought process. Everyone has a different team. Everyone has a different way of working. So, you know, just this idea that even with Bioware, when it comes to Anthem, them just getting everyone from Bioware, from Edmonton, from, uh, I, I, I think, Austin. You're just getting every uh, per person from Bioware just coming in and just working on Anthem. And look what happened with Anthem. I just don't see 
why they aren't realizing something like this. Someone when when us as as consumers, as fans are looking at this and seeing that, hey, you need to just focus on on one developer and just give leave it at leave it at one developer. Let that one developer work on it. Give them time. You know, let let them work on this over time and let all the creative juices flow. I I just don't see why they don't do that. I hope that Disney takes an executive decision on this because at the end of the day, their license is with EA right now. It's going to be there for another couple of years. And EA, EA 100% will be trying to milk this. This is the same thing that Activision did with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 5. Their Tony Hawk license was running out. They quickly shipped out Pro Skater 5 and that game was horrible. I didn't play it. I saw the review. I saw how, how it looked and me being a huge Tony Hawk fan, I was like, yep, no way. I'm steering clear. Of this. There's no way I'm going to be checking this out. So I, I'm, I just hope that they don't do something similar. I hope that they don't use this next, use these next couple of years as a way to quickly ship out a product just because, oh yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be running out of the license. We don't know if it's renewing yet or whatever. So Battlefront, like, yeah, make a Battlefront 3. Yeah, make a, make a really indie, in small, smaller game, whatever, or make Jedi Phone Order 2, like, really, really quickly. And if they don't give these developers the full amount of time to, like, work on these games, to work on the kinks, to work on the story, I'm just worried that it's going to come back down to a game that comes out. It's going to get 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10. It's going to be like Anthem, where half the game is unfinished. It's barely running. There's server issues. There's this issue. So hopefully EA understands that this is kind of not how it works nowadays. You know, consumers are becoming more smarter. The fans of these of these games and everything are becoming more smarter. We a lot of a lot of people do their research when it comes to buying products, buying games. They look at reviews. They look at everything. I mean, I know that Anthem sold a lot still. Fallout seventy six sold quite a bit, but it obviously did not sell the amount that they thought it would sell. And that's primarily because of so many more fans and consumers looking into their purchases before buying buying them. So it's not the same as it used to be, where you just go into a store and you look at a cover. And you look at the cover and it looks cool, or you see a game and you you know the title, you know the universe, and you just buy the game. It's not like that anymore, especially in the day of sales and you know PS Plus and GeForce Now, I should say, and Stadia and, and and Game Pass and stuff like that. You know, like in this day and age, I think a lot of people will choose to wait or wait for a sale, especially if they know the game is has just come out, requires a few updates, requires a lot of things to be done before it's ship shape working and working and everything. So. Hopefully EA does the right thing, gives the developer some time. And I, honestly, even if EA does a great job, I know that Respawn did such a great job Respawn with uh, with phone order, with Jedi phone order. I, I, I don't know. I think Disney needs to just kind of take the license and not just give it to one company anymore. I think they need to take this license and allow different developers to work on the Star Wars license. Look at their pedigree. Look at, look at what they have done in the past. Look at all their past games. Give them different options of the types of games you want to make. Give them different universes in the Star Wars universe. So it doesn't need to be just from the mainline movie series. It could be from from the Clone Wars. It could be from Star Wars Rebels. You know, it could be from so many different things. I hope that they just kind of give them those options and let them work through it that way. And I'm I'm 100% sure, 100% sure. Look at the way Insomniac has handled, uh, handled Spider-Man. And even the Iron Man VR game that's coming out for PSVR. That game looks awesome. And that's such a cool concept. We don't need a full Iron Man game. Even though that would be awesome, it's great just to have a VR game in that in that space where you're playing as Iron Man. And you know, like the whole premise is awesome. So I think that Disney needs to be very smart about how they how they give out their licenses from now on. And obviously this this license agreement was made a while back. So it was so I do understand that everything has changed. This was made a while back before Battlefront 1, before Battlefront 2, and Jedi Phone Order, and all the times that EA has cancelled 
uh, the their newer Star Wars games. So ho- I'm hoping that Disney also thinks this through. So I think that's the end of the the podcast. I know it's a little shorter than we what we normally do, but I want to thank everyone for joining. Please follow me on on Twitter at Amanda Man Game, on Instagram at Amanda Man Games, and you can of course watch me uh, stream some Sekiro on on twitch.tv slash amandaman. Please send me any emails at amandamangames at gmail.com. I will definitely look into all these questions. Any questions that you send, I'll bring them up in the next episode. And of course, send me suggestions, advice, anything like that. I hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead and I will see you on the next episode next week. Bye.